franchise Thunder Outsiders show. I think we've, we've changed, we've officially changed to the Outsiders, but who knows? That might just be a Jerry Daniel and Brandon thing. Stay golden, Burton. Stay golden. I will stay golden. I'm uh, going to be Soda Pop. Who's going to be Dairy? Who's going to be Golden Boy or Pony Boy? All these uh, we'll have to find out. Yeah. We'll find out over the course out. of two hours. Is uh, is the Outsiders required reading in uh, in Houston, Christine? No, it is not. Okay, well, that I've, makes sense. Yeah, I've never staple of staple of Oklahoma. Sorry, my fault. The, man. the mics are all yeah. The mics. I, sh- I should have told up. you I was switch. I'm sorry. That's okay. my fault. They're all jacked up in here. But that's us. Thunder Thunder Insiders Outsider Show, whatever you want to call it. It is. We're myself. jacked up on Thunder Basketball. We Matt are Thurman. yes, Thunder Basketball in July. The best time. We love that. We got Christine Butterfield in here. We have Radio's Ryan, Ryan Chapman in here as well. Um, And actually, I I do kind of want to start off. um, Ryan, you were noticeably absent. You were noticeably absent from our uh, pickup basketball game. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And my, I guess my only question is, what the hell? Well, here's the problem, Matt. Were you in... Were you watching uh, the blue when uh, you're pulled no, the blues in many different directions? As someone like I am, you are the busiest man I know. Uh, when you get a nap and you don't set the correct alarm, oh no! Um, sometimes you just gotta live with that. And that's exactly sense. what happened. That makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. But um, I will say, though, I mean, shout out to everyone who uh, who came and participated. Uh, the un- guys from the Uncontested podcast and in uh, our guy, Derek Parker, too. The pride of Sayer, Oklahoma. I was going to say, we love Derek DP, we it, love. but it looks really bad. It's like a very poor reflection on me that my guy, Nick Crane, made it up here. And I uh, slept through. True, yeah. yeah. Nick, Cr- Nick Crane's now, got some game to him, bit, too. Now, but- to be fair... Insane to the Nick Crane. He did not text me or call me or say, yo, are we going on a food run? Anything like this. He just showed up on my timeline via photo on Twitter in Oklahoma City. And then uh, you were in the group chats. Poofed out. Not with Nick Crane. With us, though. No, no one informed me that Crane was coming. Oh, well, I didn't know that would change things. For it's you. okay. It's okay. Ryan. Matt Burton was we'll, we'll was throwing you. up dimes. <laughs> he straight up was like, I was well, like I, MVP Matt Burton. I was also told by Jerry himself that if I made an appearance, I wasn't playing. He was oh, like, that well, that yeah, sense. correct. He was I like, he showed up either. Yeah, he, he invited me, and he's like, and by the way, like the rosters are full, so you're just gonna have to be like emotional support on the sideline. And I was like, Jerry, what yeah. about what about right. me has ever said emotional support? Like that's <laughs> well, not. Josh Conant, not my bad. Josh Conant showed up, and he wasn't really prepared to play, and he ended up playing a few games. He's a plan. Yeah. So I'm sure he could have gotten in the rotation. Also, I mean, if we're just going to get down to it, okay. Spill the tea. I wasn't creasing the ice trays for a Jerry Ramsey birthday party. I'm with you. Mm. I'm with you. Like yeah. that wasn't happening. Got to break those out at the right moment. And with that crew, I also wasn't just showing up in my tennis court shoes because, like, that's that's my non-marking shoe that has some ankle support that I usually roll with for yeah. basketball stuff like that. But in it, like when Matt Burton, who will show up to my pool in sweatpants <laughs> so that he can match the fit, yeah. you iconic. Can, you can't. Yeah. You cannot roll out in tennis court shoes 
when you're sharing the court with someone like that. So (laughs) I just said, I'm not creasing the ice trays. I don't care about Jerry that much. They were good. Buckets were had. Buckets were had. That's for sure. By, by everyone too. The uncontested guys weren't, uh, weren't bad. They were, they had some game to him. Nick Crane had some game. Jacob Niffin could shoot a little bit. Yeah. The best part about Nick Crane is that him and I are workout buddies on our Apple Watch. So every time he, he loves himself an indoor cycling workout. Let me tell you. Does he really? Yes. Because I get a notification probably at least twice a week that's Nick Crane has finished an indoor cycling workout, to which I always reply with if you have an Apple Watch and you have like, those things that pop up right there's the predetermined just like get it girl or that. And so I, I always just select one of those for my guy nick crane i uh, love that i love did that. not i did not picture him i was like a peloton biker in there well i i, I don't think it's peloton at all I no just, i know I, I just mean like is it a group class i want to know if it's one of those group classes <laughs> where he's like dancing up and down on a bike or if he's just you know indoor bike alone headphones in locked in well i imagine it's headphones in locked in hmm. because uh him and i we we initially bonded over we start first off the si thunder crew in its inception dp nick and i started with the hard 75 that was rolling around if, that's if right any of you are out 75 there go hard whatever it was and uh crane and i bonded over the fact that we both love to just bump aggressive edm at the gym and nothing else <laughs> and so i know oh that that crane is uh i almost think that cycling by himself well i almost think that adds to the fact that he's probably doing a group class because they usually play like edm style music so it, it, it's even more for me now that could actually be an option and maybe his uh fiance is like bring him in yeah we'll see i'll, I'll get to uh, the bottom of it please do by the end of I'm the very show intrigued. by the end of the show we will have more information on the great Nick Crane's uh, work. So if you are interested in his cycling, make sure you're always going to InsideTheThunder.com and Forbes for great Thunder coverage. Absolutely. Absolutely. But shout out to all those guys for showing up. Uh, it was actually a fun time, and we all just forgot that it was Jerry's birthday. So we just showed up to play yeah. basketball anyways, and we all forgot that it was Jerry's birthday. We, um, were only re- <laughs> we were only reminded when he switched jerseys every single game. Right. Every single game. Which no one needed to see. Not at all. No, it was a caveman body for sure. <laughs> a little caveman body Jerry Ramsey has. Um, guys, let's let's dive into uh, some Thunder basketball in July. They make a new hire. A couple new hires, actually. But yeah. the one we're actually going to talk about. Chip England, coach, the shooting coach for the San Antonio Spurs, uh, did not get a contract renewal down there um, in San Antonio. So now he is here in Oklahoma City. I mean, he was with the Spurs for 17 seasons and uh, worked had a huge impact on guys like Tony Parker, Kawhi Leonard, uh, huge impact on their careers. Um, and guys, what does this move say to you? I mean, I uh, um, <laughs> soccer Chad said, dang, y'all got Ryan working while Liverpool City is on. Um, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> right. It's uh, on the iPad, my friend. There you go. We love that. We'd love to see that. I'm about to switch it on in here. Um, uh, ESPN Plus, by the way. Oh, never mind. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> never mind. Not yeah, going to do that. Sorry. TV in here is not capable of that. Um, but, Christine, I'll start off with you. Um, what does this hire, I mean, kind of mean to you? To me, I think this means, you know, they're going to try to compete sooner Soon. rather than later. Yeah, which... It, what was interesting to me was, you know, we've never gotten a very certain answer on what a timeline is on when they're trying to make a playoff contention. And making a hire like 
chip means that they're really trying to speed up their timeline, I think. And obviously, I think it is a huge hire because of how they ended up last season. I mean, they ended up last in field goal percentage with 43%. They ended up last in three-point percentage with 32%. And they were the seventh worst shooting team from the free throw line. Like, their shooting from the perimeter was not great. Everyone knows that, even though they took almost the most attempts. <laughs> like, I, I don't right. know if that means that the attempts are going to go up. Honestly, I, I would hope that the attempts honestly go lower so they work on their efficiency. But hiring a a guy like this who has helped Kawhi Leonard, helped Jajante Murray, helped Tony Parker, and been such a key cornerstone for the Spurs franchise in terms of their shooting, I think is amazing for the Thunder to end up bringing him over here. And for players like Josh Giddy, who has really struggled from the perimeter for players like Shea Gildas Alexander, who, I mean, like, he's good on catch and shoot, but a lot of times if he's trying to, you know, go off the ball into a into a three, it, it kind of looks a little bit sloppy, and I know that he's been working on his mechanics. We've talked about it a lot, Matt. Uh, it'll just mean wonders for his shot. Um, other players like maybe Chet Holmgren, who just need a little bit more comfortability, and I think it's going to be... I think it's going to show quicker than a lot of people realize. And so maybe next season it'll end up just they're dropping state times. I don't know. but I I actually think the hire has nothing to do with a timeline. Like it, it could absolutely affect how quickly the Thunder contend or not. To, to me, when, when the hire happened, my read on it was just an understanding that um, the Thunder, and, and they're content to be this, and it's not a negative, but the Thunder are, are going to have to be a developmental franchise. Like... Yes, they've got a ton of picks. They've positioned themselves where if there's a disgruntled superstar, they can cash in, all that stuff. But for the most part, the Thunder are going to have to hit on SGA, hit on Josh Giddy, hit on Chet, hit on one of the Williamses, Usman Jan, like somebody else from this most recent draft class. And so Sam Presti understands that and says, doesn't matter what it takes. I'm going to bring in Chip, and we're going to make sure that we've seen what Mark Dagnall can do defensively the last couple of years, right? Bring those guys along. We've seen what he's done um, with the Oklahoma City Blue. Bringing in the shot doctor is just a, another build on the staff where, where the Thunder are maximizing everything they can in-house because that's what's going to have to be. Like like you were saying, Christine, Giddy's going to have to get better as a three-point shooter. He, the Thunder have to have Josh Giddy be a member of that big three, whatever you want to call it, um, shooting 25% from deep on top of the fact that his lateral move, like he's not a Giannis style athlete laterally, all that, like something has to give. And this is, I love Giddy, love what we saw last year, but he's going to have to improve in those areas. So yes, it could affect the timeline this year. It very well could, but I didn't think the hire itself was more of that as much as just for this run, the Thunder have to be able to maximize all the talent they get through the door, whether that is by trade or draft or anything like that. And this is just another piece of Sam Presley right. trying to build the infrastructure of this Thunder staff to maximize what they've got. Yeah, I didn't mean it was going to speed up the timeline this season. Right. Particularly, I just meant I think it's going to make really fast improvements that you probably wouldn't have seen for maybe like three years in Josh Giddy. It might happen in a year and a half in terms of his shooting percentage. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily foresee it happening this quick, but adding someone like him to, you know, the organization, like you said, Ryan, is just going to make sure that players like Josh Giddy are really getting the attention they need, particularly to their shot, because 26%, percent 25 26% from deep last season... It's not gonna. It's not gonna fly in the NBA for that long. If you want him to be a true triple threat, I'm picturing 
Um, I, I'm picturing a bunk bed situation with Giddy and Chip England. That's what I'm picturing. Like a stepbrother is uh, like, I, hey, do you like guacamole? Like they're gonna be he, best. They're gonna be best friends. Here's the problem. England's gonna have to like bump Chet out of the bunk bed. Like that bromance is already right. here, alive and well. <laughs> I mean, Shea right, Gildas yes. Alexander is kind of. Can we go triple decker? Mm. Seriously, we can't. Why, hey, I say why not? When when the Thunder go on the road, as long as you've got vaulted ceilings, which you're gonna have to have anyway for an NBA franchise, you can bunk five guys into one room with right. Shea and Dort no sharing one bunk bed, and then the. Uh, the triplets and what if you, Giddy, okay. Chet, and Chip. Well, what if you had, yes, yeah, so you have Shay and you have Lou Dort, then you have Chet and Giddy, but then like the camp counselor is Chip. And he gets his own bed, but he's still yeah. in the room. Fair enough. He's the cool, cool camp he's counselor. He's the cool, he's like yeah. the cool uncle. Chauffeur right. Chip. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, I think um, <laughs> obviously this hire is going to help out a ton of people, but I'm sure they're telling uh, Mr. Chip, hey, this Josh Giddy guy, you're going to spend a lot of time with him Chip, because we think. Do you he, like Australia? We think he can be pretty special. He is already pretty special. Uh, we need you to take him to that absolute next level. Uh, did you guys, uh, Ryan? I'm sure you guys, you and uh, Chisholm talked about this during the week. The other hire that they had, I, his name is escaping me right now. Uh, but, are you talking about the the vice president of intelligence and information? Yes, the CIA guy. And, that they yeah. Hired. Yes. Yeah. The black ops. I, I frankly, I think Chisholm and I came to the exact same conclusion. No clue what this guy's done. Absolutely. Right. No clue what he's doing. He hung around in Philly for a really long time. Maybe, just maybe, he was brought in so that the lottery balls are juiced this year for the Thunder so they can get uh, Mr. Victor Scoot. That, I, like, yeah. Uh, he, when, here's the actual analysis. That was, that was the fun. Uh, when Troy Weaver left, the Thunder didn't really bring anyone else in. They just kind of reorganized the front office. Yeah. So I, I think this was just something of Presty knew he probably wanted an extra heavy hitter at like that senior senior level uh, to, to kind of slot in for just whatever they lost when Troy Weaver went to Detroit. And so while they have a lot of faith and there are people in the front office, did a lot of restructuring. To me, this is probably what that was. It's just a, hey, we have a spot. We have a salary for a big, big, big time exec. Why not a guy that's been around for a long time? Do you think Daryl Morey hates Sam Presti? <laughs> <laughs> he just, after the Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook trades, and then, uh, I mean, what was the Al Horford trade whenever he I, got there? And I don't uh, think that uh, Daryl concerns himself with such earthly feelings, such as right. hatred yeah. and grudgery. I think that he's all love. He's worried about the love that him and James Harden share. Right. And he's worried about pumping out his next musical to hit Broadway. Absolutely. That and worried about bringing literally the Houston Rockets to... Yes, and, and he's just like, how, how can I get P.J. Tucker in the door? And Daniel House. How can I get P.J. Tucker and Daniel House in? Uh, he's basically, which, hey, not bad. He's trying to make the Houston Rockets, but with Joel Embiid. So I, that's... I think it'll bad. work. Not bad. I Five think it ago. might work, but also I hope that it doesn't because Daryl Morey is... Uh, not my favorite. He is not my favorite. But anyways, that is Ryan Chapman. That is Christine Butterfield. I am Matt Burton. On the other side, more Thunder Talk in July. Welcome back. It's the Thunder Insiders Outsiders Show. I don't know what we're calling it anymore. We're going to call it for the time being. Yeah, it's the Upside Down. The Thunder Upside Downers. I like that. Did we Did we all finish Stranger Things? We're not going to ruin it in there for anybody who might I be did. listening. Who has not watched 
Ryan, are we all uh, we all finished, or are we not Stranger Things? Stranger yeah. Things lost me after season two. Yeah. Okay, well, season four is their best one by far. So. So you might need to pick that back up. Yeah, season um, four was actually quite a banger. I am wholly uninterested in Stranger Things. Okay, fair so. enough. I'm happy that everyone's enjoying it. Go, you guys. I'll watch something else. I'm we'll, sorry we'll you don't have happy. an imagination, Ryan. Yeah, that right. one. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I, know, I I can give you. A sorry, wall- you don't like cool things. It's, yeah, I can. Uh, I can give you a wall to wall review of the Gray Man if you'd like. Hammered that oh, out I, on the Netflix last night. I heard that was bad. Well, I mean, it's just like every major Netflix production, which is um, they gave them a bunch of money. They said, "You go do you." And the movie doesn't know what it wants to be. Like it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't know if it wants to be like a Deadpool style comedy. It doesn't know if it wants to be John Wick. Like it. Right? Isn't it? It's Ryan Reynolds and Ryan Gosling, right? No, the guys it's from Bridgerton. It's oh uh, John Peel. Not not Ryan Reynolds. Reggae, it's uh, <laughs> Captain America. Oh, Chris Evans. Yeah, that guy. Who is not any better in this than he is in any of the Marvel stuff. So. But no, all I know is my girlfriend was like, "Yeah, the guy from Bridgerton season one is in there, so we probably so we're need to watch it. that movie at some point." <laughs> so we will watch that movie uh, at some point, just yeah. because he's in it. Rajon Page. That's that's his name. it. That's his name. I knew it was John something. John. He's pretty good. Okay. Speaking of pretty good, I'm just kidding. I didn't know where to go with that. So <laughs> speaking <laughs> of pretty good, speaking of pretty good, basketball. That, came, that Kevin Durant guy uh, and Kyrie Irving uh, still on the Brooklyn Nets. Still on the Brooklyn Nets, there were some uh, rumors about Kevin Durant and Boston, about Boston sending uh, a trade offer including Jalen Brown, Derek White, and one first-round pick. The Boston Celtics said, no thank you. We want Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, and multiple first-round picks for Kevin Durant. Um... Okay, so one, if you're Boston, do you do that? I mean, Christine, I'll go to you first. If you're Boston, do you do that trade to get Kevin Durant, pair him with Jason Tatum, uh, and then give away the defensive player of the year? And uh, honestly, a Jalen Brown that was sometimes their best player in the finals, um, even over Jason Tatum. So I don't know. It, it's a tough ask, but then, like, I say all that. It's also Kevin Durant. Like it's also one of the yeah. top players in in the league. So I mean, if you're if you're uh, if you're the Nets or Boston, are, are you doing that? I if I'm Brooklyn, I'm not doing that. I'm not Brooklyn. If I'm not if I'm Boston, I'm not doing that because when I think about just how much Jalen Brown meant to them in the finals, I think about the culture fit and just everything that Marcus Smart brings to the floor defensively for them, just being one of the best pests in the league. And he's not an offensive liability anymore. You know, it's not like a Ben Simmons situation where he's just not being guarded on offense and you just use him on the other side of the floor and you're like, okay, like the opposite of a two-way player. Uh, But when I think about giving up all those things plus Derek White, because, I mean, it just, it makes sense if you're bringing in someone like Kevin Durant in. That's just, it's a lot to give up in terms of what their team really builds around. And I think it would take a minute to kind of figure out how they're going to restructure everything because any trade revolving around Kevin Durant obviously has to have a huge package coming in. But those games where Kevin Durant is, since he's a little bit older, needs to rest maybe and take a load off for load management, 
you're going to have less players to choose from that are better to kind of give him those minutes off. So then you're really forcing a lot of different issues. You're having players that are like, you know, tense man in the rotation, trying to fill that spot that Kevin Durant usually fills. And I just don't think it makes a lot of sense for the Celtics after they just went to the NBA Finals, have such an interesting configuration with their young core right now, or younger core, excuse me. So I don't personally like it for the Celtics. How many NBA titles has Boston won? 17? Yeah. The bar, or 18, either Yeah, one. the bar for that franchise is not to build, 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 make to the final. Like, the, the bar for the Boston Celtics is to win. And the East had a lot of stuff going down this year, right? As far as Philly, it, it was just disjoint from the beginning. Didn't know what you're doing with James Harden, all that stuff. Brooklyn had a guy just willingly take himself out of playing for the Nets because of off-the-court stuff. Had a little bit of injury stuff with Kevin Durant. Ben Simmons is always there. Miami is going to be a pest, but like I think the Celtics could beat Miami. That's fine. The Celtics making the finals this year was not a, oh my gosh, the Celtics are about to, to fire into a decade of being the dominant team in the East. Like There are a lot of coin flip series in there. You need to make this move and bring in Kevin Durant if like that's what you want to achieve because still not sure that Tatum is going to be consistent enough to be that guy in like a NBA Finals across seven games. Jalen Brown can't dribble when he got pressured. Like, And if you're Jalen Brown, the discourse around Jalen Brown being just annoyed that he was in trade talks for Kevin Durant is laughable because you're right. Jalen Brown and that's Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I understand a lot of the packages he's been attached to. You've been like, well, I'm better than that guy, all that stuff. I understand wanting to be settled, but sorry, that's Kevin Durant. Like, if any team just take all the other stuff out of it, it's like, can I have Kevin Durant or Jalen Brown? 30 franchises are taking Kevin Durant. Well, it's not just Jalen Brown, though. Right. Well, but for... So you take all the context out of it. Um, for Jalen Brown, just be upset that he's included in a package for Kevin Durant is absurd. Like, know your place a little bit more than that. If you're the Celtics, like, you, you've been turning the wheels for how many years on the... They're one move away. They're one move away. And that was an Ainge thing. I know the Ainge isn't there anymore. This is the move that you cash in on. Win a couple of titles. If you do that... And then it's all worth it. Doesn't it doesn't matter if you mortgage your future because you're Boston. You're gonna be able to bring in free agents, all that stuff. Or or another team like the then Nets will just come along and make a terrible deal for an aging star and, and bail you out. So if you're Boston, I think you make that move just because again, like it's not Boston's not the Thunder. The Thunder have to build through the draft. Yeah. Right. And they have to be competitive over long periods of time, even if they're not winning titles. In Boston, the standards win the title. Yeah, I think I think the trade makes sense for me personally if it's Jalen Brown, Derek White, extra picks, and not Marcus Smart involved. I think if you're putting in Marcus Smart, you're giving up a lot on the defensive end. You're giving a lot in just how their team kind of functions on that side of the floor, and you're going to have to make up for a ton of that. And Kevin Durant's size isn't going to be a catch-all. But I, but I do understand what you're saying, Ryan. I, th- I think that they could have taken the risk if it was just... It's not even a risk, but they could have taken the trade if it was just, you know, Derek White, Jalen Brown dishing out the picks that they don't really need anyway. But uh, adding in Marcus Smart, I think, was a little bit too much for the Celtics to take. Yeah. The um, the thing with me, too, it's like you're getting Kevin Durant and you're getting Kevin Durant for four years. It's not a like Kawhi Leonard getting traded to, or the, the Toronto Raptors taking a chance and hoping that Kawhi resigns or, or, the, or the Paul the George, Paul George OKC, to OKC. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not really, you get Kevin Durant for four years. You get for maybe his last four years. He'll be 37 at the end uh, of this contract. So maybe the last bit of Kevin Durant. And um, 
it's it's going to take a lot. Like I think it's not breaking news, or it's it's in fact broken news that it's going to take a ton to get Kevin Durant. That especially he's on a four year deal. Like you're gonna gut a lot of your team. Um, and I'm not saying like I'm not saying the Nets are wrong by any means. Like if you have one of the best players in the league signed for four years. You're the price is going to be very high. Like it's going to be very high. These guys, these guys don't get traded. Guys like Kevin Durant do not get traded. Like that's a, that's like saying okay, Giannis gets traded. Like what does a Giannis trade look like? Yeah, no, you're getting rid of everybody. You're getting rid of everyone to try to get uh, that guy on your team. So I, I don't know. And the Nets are in a spot too where they don't have their picks. Like they don't have access to their picks. Right. They gave up their picks unprotected and pick swaps. So if they tank. That it would be for nothing, right? You you can't tank if you're Brooklyn. So they're they're like, they're like, hey, we're getting back good players too. Like we're not just doing this for picks, like a Rudy Gobert trade or anything like that. We're not just doing this for picks, like a Paul George trade for Oklahoma City, where they they can use they have all their draft picks and then they can use more uh, as ammo later too. Like this is no, we have to still compete if we're Brooklyn. So I I get the price being that high. Um, I think people are a little shocked like at how high the price is. Um, but I think that's also a lot of, you know, NBA 2K playing. <laughs> like, like, yeah, wow, I can override sure. trades on 2K. Yeah. Well, Minnesota also didn't help. Not at all. No, with Rudy Gobert. That was funny. But, I mean, to, you brought up Giannis and to Ryan's point on, you know, the coin flip of a lot of the playoff series in the East. The only really, the only real reason that the Boston Celtics went on to the NBA Finals was because Chris Middleton was out with an injury. So I think so too. So you think about if Chris Middleton is healthy next season, Giannis is healthy next season. It's hard to anticipate anyone else coming out of the East besides the Bucks. And you know maybe Kyrie Irving and if Kevin Durant is still on the team, maybe they figure it out and maybe they go. But I don't know if. What the Celtics did enough this or what they did this season would be enough for them to meet a wholly healthy Bucks team that is like actually figured out. They, they need to learn the lesson of the Hawks and the Celtics team is way better than Atlanta. Atlanta's trip to the Eastern Conference Finals was way more fluky two years ago, but Atlanta brought everybody back, just ran it back, which the Celtics have done for how long? Pretty much of just swapping out, like yeah. bringing Al Horford in as opposed to making an actual major major move. And Atlanta made it like three weeks into the season before the GM was going on local shows. Just like, yeah, we should have made a move in the offseason. We should have been more aggressive. Like, don't get lulled into, hey, we finally got over the hump. We made it to the NBA Finals. All this stuff when there were other reasons in the Eastern Conference. Yes, you played well. Yes, your defense was elite. But there were also a lot of other injuries and a lot of other teams that were in chaos. You, every move you make should be increasing the odds, increasing your margin of error. If you have Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum... That's as much margin of error as any other team in the East. And uh, even if a Marcus Smart or whoever is involved, like I, I still think you make that move. Because, again, it, it'd be different if it was Detroit, right? And Or the Pacers. And you were in this situation where, yes, you obviously want to win an NBA title, but just being competitive, being in the hunt is really great for your city, for your franchise, all that stuff. And those are teams that have history of winning. But it's not the Celtics. The Celtics, that your standard is you win. Or you're a failure. Like that, right, wrong, or otherwise, that's what it is. Same thing with the Lakers, right? Like that's the stand, not just to, hey, be in the mix, be one of the teams that could be in the Eastern Conference Finals. And uh, I, I just, 
I think that what we saw last year is pretty close to what Boston's ceiling is going to be, and Kevin Durant raises that ceiling, so I think you just you pull the trigger. I like that, and uh, Boston made a couple of pretty good moves in the offseason, too. They brought in Malcolm Brogdon for basically nothing. They basically didn't give up anything for Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, he was a solid, solid NBA player. Um, and then Danilo, Danilo Gallinari. Hero. Should I... Oh, wait. Do we still have it? Please tell me. Yeah, Please the, tell the me. Gallo drops in there. Please tell me. Please tell me. I think that might Danilo be Gallinari. best Iconic. contribution to I think the that was... Yes. Probably. It's all downhill from here. And they brought in Danilo Gallinari. So, I mean... Like I think I still think that's a pretty good team. Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Malcolm Brogdon. Um, you get to keep Derek White, Danilo Gallinari, Al Horford. I, I, I like that team if they do end up making that trade. But again, I, I think obviously Boston declined <laughs> that counter proposal, so I don't mm-hmm. think that trade's happening anytime soon. So, uh, my last question: When will it all end? When will all of this all the trade stop? Rumors? Yes, we. When will we stop hearing about this? And Kevin Durant finally gets traded. I mean, if it's this year, September at the earliest. Uh, every yeah. report you've seen, um, our guy Brian Windhorse, the great Oracle, the great <laughs> question asker that it is, basically said, "Remember when the NBA shut down? Shout out Rudy Gobert. Um, that that." moment like while we were waiting to ramp back into the bubble is the last time that we had a real NBA pause like you had two of the shortest off seasons in the history of the league back to back after summer league Windhorse was like yeah all the NBA execs for the most part they're like screw this we're going on vacation we'll be back for training camp yeah so I would not expect any real major business to get done until training camp and then in the background of that you've also got Rudy Gobert's deal, uh, what Minnesota gave, is now the Nets are like, hold on, if you can get this for Rudy Gobert, we have Kevin Durant under contract for four years, it should be double that. And that's a price that I think a lot of people are going to balk at. So um, I wouldn't be stunned if you're into next offseason before Kevin Durant, if he still wants a move, uh, is dealt. And then the Kyrie stuff in the background, too, that's just another disaster. Like I think it's very possible that Brooklyn is having to do the song and dance next year of two guys that have asked for a trade on that roster. Guys, I just scrolled across something. I know this isn't Thunder basketball, but um, Dylan Gabriel's on the Walter Camp watch list. So, guys, yeah, watch list season. It's coming to a close, right? When did, do they when do they announce the last watch list? Did uh, did you finally tweet that out? Like that was announced yesterday morning, and uh, they did. They finally just tweeted it out four <laughs> minutes ago. Wow! Watch list season. Shout out uh, Eddie. O- OU should probably turn Brett McMurphy's tweet notifications on because Brett had that at like eight thirty yesterday morning. Way to go, Brett! Way to also go. shout out to you, Matt, for reading AllSooners I do read AllSooners.com. For, yes. for scrolling by that story yesterday. Absolutely. I didn't spend a whole lot of time, admittedly, on Twitter <laughs> yesterday. So. I, don't, I, I don't spend a whole lot of my time devoted to watch lists. So. <laughs> right, absolutely. absolutely. Hey, here's 55 guys on this watch list. And oh, by the way, anyone who's not on this watch list, also eligible to win this award. Also, yes. Everyone right. is eligible. Everyone Although, is eligible. I'll tell you, uh, have you guys heard the story about the Bolitnikoff Award? No. I actually haven't. No. So the most intriguing thing for me personally to come out of watch list season. So our guy, friend of the station, Josh Calloway, wrote the story once Marvin Mims was named to the Bolitnikoff Award watch list. And basically, um, in in the story, he's like, hey, the Bolitnikoff Award, it's the, it's the wide receiver award, or whatever, you're the best wide receiver in college football, all this stuff. 
Someone on the board of the Blitnikoff called me to say, excuse me, this award is actually given to the best receiver in college football. You can go to a tight end. He left like a 90-second angry voicemail (laughs) that we didn't just copy and paste the exact wording from his website. So I had to text Callie and be like, hey, man, I'm not sending your number along because no one needs to live with this, but uh, the Blitnikoff people are on it. The Google alerts are strong over the Blitnikoff. You should have just downloaded the voicemail and posted that in the article. (laughs) (laughs) Just just a bit of audio. Absolutely. And Uh, by the way, we're so big time that (laughs) one of them bored men himself (laughs) found my own personal phone number. (laughs) That's incredible. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to talk about some players that we expect to make a jump or... Don't expect to make a jump for the Oklahoma City Thunder right here on 107.7 The Franchise. Hello. Hey. We're back. The Thunder Insiders, Outsiders, Upside Downers show on 107.7 The Franchise. This beautiful Saturday. Cold front moving in. Fine. It's a welcome. It's a welcome cold front. It's a welcome weather. Yeah, day. I just don't know if it counts. Does it count? As well, when a it, cold front. Yes. When it's been like one hundred ten. Yeah, seventy five counts as a cold front. It's been. It's absolutely a cold front. Um, not a okay. So will a cold front move in on the Thunder this year? Nailed it. What a great segue. Man. Nailed it. The segue. Um, I, I, okay, so I. Admittedly, this this uh, rundown that I put in, it, it did not. I did not put a whole lot of thought into it. So, uh, we're talking about basketball in July. We're talking about Thunder basketball in July. So uh, we can, you know, we can, you know, do a lot of hypotheticals and a lot of projection and stuff like that. So my question was, who makes the biggest jump this season out of Trey Man, Jeremiah Robinson Earl? Aaron Wiggins, Darius Baisley, or Alexei Pokushevsky. And now a jump can be relative, right? Like, so what? Or it can yeah, be, what yeah, constitutes? A so a, a jump, like as far as like maybe what you were expecting, Christine. I know you're not expecting a ton out of Poku. So if he has even some mild success, I know Ryan's also in that boat with Poku. Uh, if he has even some mild success. That could be a a big jump for you. Like he could way outperform your expectations. I guess that's a better way to word it. Like who do you who do you expect to outperform your expectations for them more? I'm gonna start off by saying Aaron Wiggins because I think last season he was a he was a really good, you know, plug and play player in terms of he's very versatile, so he can fit into a lot of different situations. Defensively he wasn't a liability. Offensively didn't spark much, but also, you know, didn't turn the ball over a lot, so you could put him in there and if he makes eight points sometimes you know, like twelve points would be a good night for him. Uh but after watching him in the summer league and again I'm going to preface this by saying it's the Summer League, so I'm not putting a huge amount of stock into this. I'm just saying he looked a lot more polished offensively than I've been used to seeing from him. And his takes to the rim looked more confident. He looked more sure of himself. His positioning when scoring through contact was better. And defensively, I think he was sharper in his rotations, also moving quicker. So 
it was very obvious that he's been making a lot of improvements this offseason. So, and it's not like my, I don't have high expectations for him. So for me to say he's making a jump is just meaning like I don't have high expectations and he's probably going to exceed those low expectations that I have for him. Um, another one for me, I actually, Matt, would be Aleski Pokashevsky. I know. Be shocked. Everyone be excited. I am, actually. <laughs> Everyone be excited. Uh, I, I really think that he's kind of turning a corner a little bit. And again, I think it's not going to be a huge, vast improvement. And honestly, Chet Holmgren is probably going to be out overshadowing him a lot this season. But I think that his ball control has gotten a ton better. I think that his ball handling skills have gotten sharper. Uh, And I think that defensively, we saw this a little bit last season. He flashed this a few times where he could actually move laterally along the perimeter. I think that he's gotten a little bit better in his coordination. So overall, I think that he'll be better. Possibly his shooting efficiency is going to go up with the help of chips. So I think that those would be my two to watch. Did did we ever get an answer as to why Poku didn't play in Las Vegas? No. Uh, yeah, because he was lost as a third-year player in Salt Lake City. <laughs> And they were doing everything they could to try and keep that confidence up. Right. They don't. They don't want any bad film getting out, so they can, you know, use him as a trade piece eventually, maybe. Which is why Poku will not be my pick for someone that is uh, making a leap forward. Because again, a third-year first-round pick was lost on the floor in summer league. He's so he should have never. He, he should have never been a first-year. So I'm out on that. Round pick anyway. Yeah, I'm out on that. I'm out on Darius Baisley. He clearly has. Um, I mean, if you just see the stuff that he puts on his Instagram stories, like he clearly has some maturity issues. So I'm out on Darius Baisley. He's a guy that every year he's been in the league has started really, really, really slow, and then kind of turned it on a little bit, and then faded down the stretch. Like last year, heading to last season, I'd asked him, like, is there an emphasis on starting fast? And he was just indifferent, just like, no, I don't really care. So. Uh, I've got no faith that Baisley takes that forward. Frankly, I don't think he's going to be on this Thunder roster on the other side of the trade deadline. So you're looking at a guy like Wiggins, like Trey Mann, like JRE. For me, I think it's going to be JRE just because last year it was the he needs to show he can shoot the three ball a little bit, going to throw him out there, just see what it is. You know what I mean? Like see what we've got in this guy. This year, I think that he's actually going to play like a pretty big role on this team. Um, I don't think any of us expect favors to be like long for this world as far as just being a Thunder player. Um, and if he is here all year long, I think we'll see a lot of what you saw last year of being very, very, very delicate, managing how many minutes he's actually playing, all that stuff, which means that Jerry and Chad are going to roll out there a lot together. And I think that um, having... I think we'll see this a lot this year. Having JRE be kind of the defensive anchor as far as being that guy down low doing all the traditional stuff because he's very intelligent and then letting Chet kind of be a roaming rim protector. Like, I think that we're going to see a lot out of JRE. And then as his three-point shooting continues to progress, I think he's going to be a nice surprise for everyone uh, outside of Oklahoma City because I know Thunder fans already love him some JRE. Also, uh, Matt Burton definitely loves himself some JRE. But another thing about Robinson Earl is he was actually playing out of position for the majority of the season last year. I mean, he was playing small ball five, which is something that he's not used to and not his skill set. And he ended up being solid, but that's definitely not 
his go-to. It's not his thing. And so with bringing in someone in like Chet Holmgren, he's going to be able to kind of show more of his versatility on the offensive end. He'll probably take more responsibility in the paint defensively, like Ryan was saying. But I really think that he's going to be able to stretch the floor more and look a lot more comfortable. And he was showing that in stretches at the end of last season when he came back from his injury and he was given more of an opportunity to play more of the four and get a chance to be in that position. So I think that he's actually going to surprise some people. Yeah, JRE is my pick as well. Um, I I think I don't think it's going to happen right away. I still think they start Favors or Muscala or whoever, just a veteran. Um, but I think at at some point the two in your in your front court are going to be Chet and JRE. Like I, I just think that's a JRE. Like we talked about, is just a super smart player. Um, one of those Villanova guys that you just love. That's just solid, and he's just going to make the right play uh, every single time. And again, to Ryan, just talked about his three point shot. I mean, he looks really good shooting it. He looks really good shooting the ball. I have full confidence in Jerry shooting it from the outside. Um, but I do think, yeah, your front court at some point this season should be uh, a heavy dose of Chet and Jerry. I, I, I think. Um, I think I would like to see Darius Baisley come off the bench. I think that he, I think that he did well whenever he came off the bench last season. He kind of got uh, demoted, maybe not the right word, but like, hey, we're gonna try no, something it's the right different. Word. Yeah, we're gonna try something different with you. Um, and it, he, I thought he he played great coming off the bench uh, in that role, playing good defense. Um, he's he's taken a huge step defensively. I think Darius Baisley has so uh, him, but yeah, Jerry is my is my answer 1000%. And it like I said about it being relative, like I still think Trey Mann probably puts up more numbers than these guys than these guys that I listed off here. But it's like it's almost kind of like what you expect. It's almost yeah. kind of what you expect out of Trey Mann. For me comparatively, Trey Mann is going to look probably a lot like he did last season. You're probably just going to see him scoring more at a higher volume, maybe adding in some change of pace moves to his game, adding in some dangerous moves from the perimeter. So he's going to look very similar. I believe it's not going to be a big jump, but um, for him, it's going to be a big improvement for his game. But as compared to someone like Jeremiah Robinson Earl or Aaron Wiggins, it's not going to look like it's as big of an impact. Yeah. I think you like Aaron Wiggins a a lot. I mean, I know a lot of Thunder fans do. I I, I think there's definitely a place for him long-term on the Thunder and I think um, I think he can kind of be that Kenrich Williams role. Where like I know Kenrich Williams just got signed for a while, but I think that's more so just like that's a you more said tradable you contract. To that's a more tradable contract than to him making two million a year. More, it's more tradable when he's making seven million a year. Weirdly enough, um, so I, I would say that he could fill that like Kenrich Williams role. Uh, pretty well, but I, I'm excited. I'm excited for um, kind of all these guys that that I wrote down. Uh, Ryan, I, I, I know I you think, said Baisley is probably gone at some point. I mean, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't know if that's this year or, or next, but I mean, I think it, at some point he's gone. Uh, nothing we've seen from him again. If you haven't seen the social media stuff, just do a little digging. Says Thunder guy. I mean, right. Cut. Just throwing that out there. I mean, uh, I don't know how else to address it other than I don't know why you would keep him on the roster. Like, he's not bringing any positives on the floor as far as, like, a team that's going to be contending. Because, again, remember, we're not 
talking about this team this year, trying to project that. We're trying to project to a team in three years is going to be contending. Um, By that time, on his second contract, he hasn't shown you anything that resembles any kind of consistency on either end of the floor, frankly. He's had great flashes defensively, yes, but not consistency that makes you say, don't need to commit to this guy to being a sixth, seventh man for a long time. Like, If anything, you've got... And this is the problem for Darius Baisley. This is the problem for uh, an Alexei Pokashevsky. It's like you've got an Usman Jang that you want to give minutes to because his ceiling, Jang's ceiling, way higher than what Baisley's is at this point, just based on what we know of Baisley. Uh, Jalen Williams coming in, looking so calm. Collect, like Jalen Williams looked like a more NBA-ready player in Summer League than Alexei Pokashevsky looked like in Summer League. You know what I mean? And that's a guy that, again, has had two years of a little bit of NBA experience here and there from when he's brought up out of the Oklahoma City Blues. So that's the problem you're going to start seeing is that um, there's kind of a log jam as far as there's only so many minutes you can give every single night. And we've seen those guys. We've seen the flashes. We've seen them continue to be massively inconsistent. So I'd rather see Jalen Williams and Usman Jang get those minutes. Yeah, and I think some perspective is good on the draft picks of Darius Baisley and Poku. They weren't picking at the top of the draft. Right. So they were picking... Who uh, Bays was what the twenty third pick or twenty first right. pick something like yeah. that? Uh, Poku they traded back up to get him at seventeen. Wh- I, which I mean at that point they had so many picks. Like, well, and Ricky, I, yeah, Ricky like, Rubio was not coming to Oklahoma City, right? So. They traded away Ricky Rubio in like a twenty eighth pick or so, and twenty first or twenty fifth, whatever. Um, some of those late twenties picks. So I I agree with, it. but it's like at that point when you're picking that far back in the draft when you're also a rebuilding team, you have to take swings on guys who you think have a ton of upside. And you thought that, you know, Poku and Baisley had a ton of upside. I mean, they were both insanely young when they were drafted. I mean, Baisley, like, didn't even go play, didn't even go play college. Yeah, he was the intern. Everyone remembers that. And uh, Poku was, like, barely 18 and, and, um, you know, playing in the B-League in Greece. But, I mean, that's the, I think that's some perspective. They didn't have high draft picks yet, so they right. kind of had to take swings on potential uh, at that point in the draft. And then, hey, if it doesn't work out, that's fine. We spent the 17th pick and the 23rd pick on this guy. It's not, it's not like they spent. It's not like they struck out at the very top of the draft. I'm not as low on Darius Baisley as Ryan is. I think I think that defensively he made huge improvements this season like he I know that that was a big reference for him that he wanted to have some of the toughest covers and he did pretty well with those although there hasn't been just these huge marks of improvement from Darius Baisley to his rookie season to now where because I mean I think in the beginning everyone was excited about him just his frame his athleticism for his length I think that there was a lot of upside when he was first coming into the league and throughout the years, I haven't seen a ton of spark. You know, like there are games where they're breakout games, but he tends to go on these stretches where he's ineffective and then he'll pull out a two-game stretch where he looks incredible and it kind of reminds everyone why he was drafted in the first round and then kind of goes back to looking a little too mundane. So I don't think that we're going to see a lot of improvement from him in this offseason just based on the trajectory that he's gone on. Absolutely, absolutely. Here, here's the thing. Last thing I'll say. Totally agree with both of you on taking upside swings. You also have to know when to stop giving those guys minutes 
for your actual premium draft picks. I think that they, right. they finally that's the got, balance. They finally, yeah, got right. they finally got some premium draft picks this year yeah. too. So yeah. I think we'll see that. And like the Usman Jane thing, like it, it's kind of similar to Poku. Is it you know it's tall guy, lanky, versatile, but he's way more polished already than Poku was coming in. Like it, it's not even. It's not even close. Like and he's he's way more polished and was playing in a better league, frankly, than for sure. Poku was. The NBL is one of the best leagues in the entire world, um, probably like third or fourth best league in the world. So, yeah, Usman Jang is like going to be a more polished coming in Poku, for sure. And and he still may need some G League time to kind of ramp back. Oh to yeah, him, which will. is which is fine. I think he will. So that's why uh, Poku and Beige, you've got like one month. Get it no, going Poku's or get out the pot. Poku's got two years. He's two years away now. He was two years away from being two years away. He's played his two years. Now he is two years away, Ryan. Very good. Can't wait. And that's how math works. Can't that's wait. How, that's math with, with Matt. The Serbian Slim Jim rides again. <laughs> rides again. That was Ryan Chapman, Christine Butterfield in the house as well. I am Matt Burton. One hour in the books. One final hour left on the Thunder Insiders Outsiders Upside Downer Show on 1077 The Franchise. Thunder Insiders, Outsiders, Upside Downers Show. It's Ryan Chapman. It's Christine Butterfield. It's myself, Matt Burton. You can follow us on Twitter. Follow Ryan at Radio's Ryan. Christine at CB on Sports. And myself at I am Matt Burton because that is who I am. In fact, you are. Guys, it's been a while since we've uh, since we've all shared the uh, the radio waves, and I'm just glad to see everyone here in one place. I'm just happy to be here. Really, sharing's caring. I'm just happy so to sweet. be here with you guys on this fine Saturday, where we're getting uh, some actually decent weather for a change. Um, guys, I kind of want to talk about the players that you are most excited about. Now, I'm not talking about. You know, Chet, obviously we're all excited to see Chet. All excited to see SGA. If he can be healthy for a year, we're all excited for that. All excited for Josh Giddy. You know, his performance last season, whenever, I mean, four straight uh, Western Conference Rookie of the Month awards. I guess you can call them awards. Uh, I, I'm going to call them awards. I'm not going to slight Josh Giddy on these airwaves. Not again. Um, not, not again. <laughs> not, not after this. the draft. Not after he got drafted like I did. But, and then... Um, yeah, so outside of those three players, Christine, who are you most excited to see this season? Maybe I'm just coming off of the honeymoon phase from Summer League, but I'm so excited to see Jalen Williams from Santa Clara in the regular season, just based on what we all saw from him. Uh, Matt and I joked last time I was on the show that like this is my new basketball crush, probably, because just his frame... Like having a seven six wingspan is one of the most insane things to me, and he he's just going to be an athletic freak out there. And I mean, yeah, it's not going to look as posterizing as Las Vegas. I'm I'm aware of that, but just how athletic he is, how sure of himself he is, he's so powerful for his height, and that wingspan is going to get him into a lot of good situations on defense. He can force a lot of steals. He. He, I think, is a really good pick at 12. He's looking like he's going to be a 
really surefire player in the rotation. I think he's probably going to end up getting more minutes actually than Usman Jang a little bit based on what we saw. So I think that he's going to be quicker into the rotation for the Thunder, probably playing a lot alongside alongside Trey Mann, who I'm also excited for. I was a fan of him last season, but Jalen Williams was such a good pick for them. And with the culture that they're trying to build, I think he is going to fit into the, that so immensely well. So I think he's number one on my list. Jalen Williams is, is a guy that I am... Um... I had seen highlights, you know, when I was you know, doing a little draft deep dive. You know, I watched the highlights of all the guys. You know, whatever. Of course, all, everyone all does. I, I, there are some guys that I dive deeper on than most, obviously, like, especially once Oklahoma City gets the second pick. Oh, right. Once once Oklahoma City gets the second pick, I'm looking at those top three guys like mm-hmm. every day. I'm just watching. Was that highlights. just an excuse for you to watch more Paulo? Yes. Um, Paulo, love you. And I'm just it, it just worked out. It worked out perfectly for me. Draft night did, but anyways, <laughs> the, um, it worked out perfectly for me. Um, but Jalen Williams is a guy that I I had watched. I didn't really do a huge deep dive on him. And I was like, yeah, I know who he is. I, I kind of like his game. You know, like what I saw from this you know three minute clip. But then after Thunder draft him, obviously I dived a little bit deeper, and I was like, okay. In two years, it would not surprise me if this guy's starting for the Thunder. Right. Like, I mean, he was just that good at Santa Clara, and he looked that polished. And then it, it just all kind of came to fruition, like whatever in in summer league, where I mean, outside of what Gideon Chet, like, and sometimes Chet, like Jalen Williams is the best player on the floor. So uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm 100 percent with you, Christine, in your Jalen Williams pick. Ryan, who we got? Uh, yeah. J-Dub, very pro-ready. I'm clearly excited to see Mike Muscat now. Not You're right, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Derek Favors, yes. Yes. Uh, it would be, I mean, Jaden Williams probably is the answer, but for the spirit of good radio and yes. roundtable discussion, uh, give me the Usman. Give me Jang. Oost. Again, not someone that I'm expecting to see a ton of in the first couple months of the season, but he's a guy that the Thunder actually did spend a couple of picks on, move up in, and he's one of these guys that if you just listen to it, any of the draft discourse surrounding it, it's like, look, he could bust out. He could just not be an NBA player in three years, or he could be like one of the two or three best players in this draft. Like he, he has that wild range of potential, and I'm into that. I, I'm into some just wild, crazy. Uh, let's see how it goes. Now, in two years, I could feel the same way that I feel about Poku, where I'm just like, I do not want to see this man play basketball in Oklahoma City anymore. But everything is unknown at this point, so. Fresh start. Give me a little bit of Usman. Although, I, again, I do think I know he's in the NBL, um, which is the league that prepares you physically. But he just seems like a guy that needs a little bit of confidence ramp. We saw that with Trey Mann last year, right? Like going to the G League, even just for a little bit, getting to be the dude down there and then ramp that into being brought up to the Thunder roster. Then it, then it worked out well for Trey Mann. So give me Usman. So kind of going off of that, last season Trey Mann – obviously from the jump was kind of a little (laughs) took a bit to transition into the NBA was not very confident didn't really like to take a lot of shots especially if they weren't falling but Mark Dagnall had very you know clearly given him the green light to take as many shots as he wanted do we think that Usman is going to be given that same privilege based on what we've seen from him and based on how much Sam Presti allegedly 
likes him. Well, I I don't know if he'll be given the privilege, but my man's out there. He's going to shoot. I mean, you saw right. that like yeah. if he's on the floor and the ball finds him and he and he can get his shot off, he going to shoot. So uh, he's got that. Uh, you know, the thing I do like about Poku is that Poku never seems to be shying away from any sort of confidence. It seems that Jang has that little bit to him uh, as far as just, I'm here and I'm going to let the shots fly. You kind of have to. You kind of have to at mm-hmm. that point. I mean, I don't want to see a guy miss a couple and then just shut down and be like, oh, well, I'm not going to shoot anymore. I don't have it tonight. Like, I no, I would rather see, keep firing it up. He literally keep went 4 12 from his first game, oh, yeah. and I was like, great. Yeah, good. That's nothing fine. stopping you. Uh, it's the uh, Dion Waiters quote. I would I would rather go zero for thirty than zero for nine because if I would go zero for nine, that means I lost my confidence and stopped shooting. So that's the Dion Waiters quote. We love some Dion Waiters. Here A great American in philosopher. Oklahoma City. Um, I think I I think I'm leaning towards Trey Mann because I think Trey Mann is going to have my favorite role in the NBA. Sixth man off. The Sixth man off the bench. Yeah. And just come in and let it fly. Come in and let it fly, dude. Um, I am excited for that. J- he needs to watch as much Jordan Clarkson tape, uh, Lou Williams tape, Jamal Crawford, Dion Waiters, every good Waiters, <laughs> every good sixth man. Uh, Trey Mann needs to watch their tape. Come in against the second team. That's what I'm saying. On every team, and just fire them up. Just shoot as much as possible. I think Trey Mann is perfect for that role, and um, I am very excited to see. What he can do in that role, honestly, because I mean, just I give think he's him the perfect yeah, sixth man. Absolutely, give him the keys and let him let him just go off in that second unit. If he if if he's a sixth man and he's averaging like I want to say one point two steals a game, amazing. I think I think that's it. Very specific. I'm just I'm going <laughs> with above a, one. He's <laughs> not going to average one. He's not if he's getting no. one and a half. I need him to average one point two seven six steals per game. Yeah. I also would like him to shoot exactly eighty three percent. From the free throw line. Those all sound great to me. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm here, for, I'm here for both of those. Um, and, and I was kind of torn between uh, him and uh, Lou Dort, actually. And I kind of want to get you guys' thoughts. No, oh. no, no, no. That's just who I was most excited to see, oh. like, to see what they do this season. I, I need you guys to help me figure this out. Um, okay, so I, I am on the side that the Lou Dort, I mean, 17 points per game last year, that was just kind of a fluke. I mean, it was like no one else, no one else was besides there. SGA was going to score. So yeah. someone someone has to just uh, just by if Josh process had a three, of elimination. It would not have happened. Yeah, process of elimination someone has to score and it found its way to Lou Dort. Do you think that he can kind of capitalize off of that year last year and uh, not saying match 17 points per game, but uh, kind of hover around that that 15 points per game and still play in great defense? I think you're going to see that number fall, especially with um, Chet Holmgren coming into the scene. He's going to get a lot more looks down low, also looks from the perimeter just because he has that efficiency. So that number from Lou Dort is more than likely going to fall. And I think it should. That's not that's not the role that he's going to be playing on right. a competitive level Thunder team. Uh I think he can capitalize on it in terms of his confidence. I think if he keeps the confidence in his shooting, if he keeps the confidence knowing that he can be somewhat efficient and that he deserves to take shots and not allowing that to kind of bolster his confidence, then yeah, I think he can capitalize on it. Although I don't think he needs to be taking more shots. I don't think that he needs to think of himself as like the, you know, a number, like a third option on the offense. I think he should fall to four if he's in the starting lineup this season. So I, 
I don't really see him shooting 17 points a game again. Shocking, I know. I, I would hope that that number maybe falls to 12 or 13. Well, you guys know, you've done this long enough with me. If you've been listening long enough to Lou Dort Experience, I, I've been pleading, begging anyone who will listen, like, don't let this man shoot more than 10 times per game because he doesn't need to. Like, he, he needs to be hovering between six and eight attempts per game. And the good news for Lou Dort is, though, when you've got a passer that is as gifted as Josh Giddy, when you've got someone like Chet who can come in and be a creator as well as a scorer, your six to eight shots per game should be wide ass open compared to like what he's been doing. I don't need to see Lou Dort putting his head down and getting to the bucket. Like we know he can do that. And if he does that once a game, then that's enough to keep the defense honest because now you've got enough floor spacing that let SGA, who is one of the best drivers in the league, let him be that guy. You hang out in the mid-range, three-point, stuff like that. So I think that he could see a huge dip as far as shot attempts per game, cut that down to like six to eight. But if he's still scoring double figures, if he's at 10, 11, 12 points per game, I think that's a huge, huge plus just because Ludort's not going to have to work as hard offensively, can hone in defensively. And that's something that someone who's not watching the Thunder night in night out might just pull up like his basketball reference page and be like, oh, this guy got paid, and suddenly he's, he's right. getting five less points to get. It's like, no, like you guys said, Lou Dort shooting nearly 14 shots per game last year was like just a circumstance, but yeah, more than absolutely. what I think Oklahoma City actually wants Lou Dort to be, which is totally fine. Absolutely, and uh, that's, why, that's why I'm excited to see. That's why I'm excited to see what Lou Dort is. I'm still a Lou Dort believer uh, as, as much as, you know, all the Thunder fans are. I mean, for the obvious reasons, man. He's an undrafted guy and then comes in on the two-way contract his rookie year and, I mean, finds himself starting on a playoff team. Like, it's just, it's crazy. I, I want Lou Dort to have all the success in the world. I'm glad that he got uh, that contract and I want to see him build off of that some more uh, and just continue adding to that story because, I mean, he is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. So I, I do think that um, I do think he has a place long term with the Thunder. I don't think they would have paid him that much <laughs> if he if he didn't. Yeah, I don't think so either. I I think that you know, like Ryan said, if he goes to the rim once, possibly twice a game, I think that that does keep the defense really engaged and making sure they're not just um, creep, like staying creeped out on the perimeter. I think he could also, now that we've seen how much Josh Giddy loves finding anyone on the backdoor cut, I think he can hit maybe a backdoor cut or two where he gets an easy layup there and they just go back on defense. I I think that it will also help him focus a lot more on the defensive end because I think he has the past two years have been trying to make this argument for himself. Like, I'm not just a defensive guy. I can I can pull up on offense. I can be a good threat. And I think that he's done enough to prove that he can be a two-way player and that he does need to be guarded at least a little bit on the offensive end, but I don't think he needs to prove anything more than what he has already. So if there's a drop in production, quote-unquote, from him in terms of shot attempts, I think that it just goes along with what the Thunder are trying to do. Absolutely. That was Christine Butterfield. We got Ryan Chapman in here as well as myself, Matt Burton. On their side, we're going to take a look at the Thunder roster because still too many. Still too many cooks in the kitchen. They will need to cut some out. All that and more right here on 1077 The Franchise. Welcome back. Thunder Insider Show. 
1077 The Franchise. Some basketball in July talk. Everyone's favorite. Guys, the rest the roster. The OKC Thunder roster. Like I mentioned, too many cooks in the kitchen. Well, too many cooks in the kitchen right now. I believe I tallied up 19 players on the Oklahoma City Thunder roster. Two of those are two-way guys, so they do not count against the official roster number. That is uh, Lindy Waters and Eugene Amaruyi. Yeah. Amoruyi? Amaruyi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yes, Eugene. uh, Everyone's favorite Eugene uh, is on a two-way deal as well. So, pretty simple question. Who do the Thunder get rid of to make the numbers? I believe 15, is that correct? I believe it's 15. You get 15, 15 yep. plus a plus pair two of two ways. Yes. And, uh, yeah, on the like NBA.com roster has 20 dudes listed. Oh. So, real quick, we'll just uh, roll through this. Okay, ready? You're 20 dudes listed. So, here's who's eligible. We need 15 and two two ways. Shea Gildas Alexander. Gone. Get rid. Josh Get rid Kitty. Of him. Get rid of him. Lou Dort. One of the Jalen Williams. The other Jalen Williams. Chet. Taylor Maladon. Lindy Waters. Usman Jang. Derek Favors. Ty Jerome. Poku. Aaron Wiggins. Trey Mann. Vic Krejci. Muskie. Kenrich Williams. JRE, Darius Baisley, and Eugene Omarui. So there's your 20. Like you said, Eugene and Lindy currently occupy those two-way spots. So just set them aside. Got to make three cuts. I think Tydrome's the easy answer. Correct. Yeah. He's, I think he's the easiest one. He also, to, for like T purposes, was not sitting with the Thunder. Like the whole Thunder's roster basically was at the Summer League game. On Wednesday, no, Monday, Monday, and he was not sitting with them. And then after, like I think the first quarter, he was like, "Oh, let me." They said you can't sit with us. Right, the Mean Girls. And then, and then I think Sam Presti was like, "Yo, you gotta, you gotta make it." Yeah, keep some optics. Keep some optics. Yeah. So I, I would agree. I think Ty Jerome's the quickest first answer. Yeah. Well, I, I think too with what the Thunder have done, just as far as you've got Shea, who you feel comfortable handling the ball obviously you've got giddy who you feel great initiating the offense obviously trey Mann's going to be that bench point guard he's someone that i don't really think um even if you're going uber small ball you don't want him playing the two really on the bench like the only time he's not playing primary ball handlers if he's playing alongside giddy or shea you've got chet who showed that he's happy to bring the ball up and be that dude um in, in summer league you've got J-Dub, who was that guy for Santa Clara, though he's going to play a different role for the Thunder. So you've got like a ton of ball handlers, right? And that's the beauty of kind of what Sam Presti's done with this roster. So you can even look, and like most of my cuts would come from the guard spot. Like yeah. I, I would tie Jerome. V. Krejci. Yeah, Krejci or Maladon. Like that's a conversation of which one do you like better. Um, Teo was... Far exceeding expectations late in his rookie year when he had to step in. He was really, really, really bad last year. That honestly could come down to just like coaching preference. It's way older, but he's a bigger body. So do you want to value the quote unquote timeline or the size, which frankly, I don't really think either one matters when you're talking about guys on the cut line. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's going to honestly, it's going to come down to tail Maladon of V. Krejci 
And from what I've seen from Mark Dagnall, I think that he's more likely to keep Teo Maladon. For some reason, he has a really good relationship with Teo Maladon. I remember an instance, I think this was preseason last year, where um, they were getting involved in a uh, free throw shooting competition, which apparently they do fairly regularly, the two of them. So they have a really good relationship and... He has gone on record saying multiple times that he thinks that Tail Maladon has one of the best worth ethics on the team. And I have a hard time believing that he would, you know, in a conversation of Vic Krejci versus Tail Maladon, go ahead and pull Tail Maladon based on just, I think, his personal preference. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I'm still... I'm still... It's, it's hard for me to completely write off Tail. I, I know he struggled last year. I think I think and Christine we talked about it on post games a lot. I think most of his problem was just a confidence issue. I think he was severely lacking in confidence and that's why they sent him down to the blue and you know he had success at the blue and then he he worked his way back up, got his confidence back up playing against the G League guys and it was kind of that thing last year too where some of the guys that they sent down to the G League put up great numbers because they're like they're NBA players. They're just they're just not G League players. They're better than those guys down there, and uh, it, it's good to get kind of like a little tune-up game every every yeah. now and again. You know, uh, give, little ego give Teo, yeah, give Teo a little reminder. Like, hey, I can do this. Like, <laughs> I can do some good stuff on the basketball floor. Um, so I, it'd be, it's just tough for me to write off the kid. I mean, he's what 20, 22, 22? Yeah, I mean, like he's a young kid, and we have seen flashes from Teo. I, I think. Just needs to keep that confidence up, but again, it's to Ryan's point. I mean, you've drafted so well in the guard spot, yeah. and like you've done so well at the guard spot. It's almost like, okay, do I want to keep Tail around, even though he's probably not going to get playing time because we we want playing time for Shea, Giddy, Trey, Man, Jalen Williams. Like we we got to get some of these guys minutes because we feel really good about them uh, already too. So. I don't know. I'm I'm leaning towards Teo Veet and um, who do we say? Uh, Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome being the three needed. Is it three that they need? Yeah, yes. they, they got to cut right. down there. On, like, like honestly, again, this is the wild world of not reality. All that stuff. It's yeah. when you cut people, they hit waivers. All that. Right. I mean, I would just say, sorry, our guy Eugene. Thanks for the memories. Right. If I could get Teo, like cut Teo and get him back on the other two way, like that, that would be the only guy. Cause, right. I mean, Jerome, Vit, they've been fine in moments. They showed last year that, like, again, there's a roster building toward competing three or four years from now, not what they need to do tomorrow. Um, it would take big jumps from those guys just to be bench dudes on a team that's competing. I just haven't personally seen enough from Vic Krejci to think about what he's personally adding to the Thunder. And I'm not saying that Teo Maladon is personally adding anything. Great tattoos is what he's personally adding to the Absolutely. Thunder. Absolutely. Gothic Prince, or Gothic of course. Prince, yes. uh, but seriously, like his, his game is almost so versatile that nothing really stands out. Even in his best performances, I think he's put up, like, what, eight points? Like, I, like, I can't really pinpoint anything he does. Like, he'll, he'll cut to the rim fine. He shoots okay. Defensively, he isn't always the best. Yeah, no. I don't like. I don't really see any parts of his game that. I mean, to be fair, the players we're talking about, none of them are going to be in the long term. So I'm not saying that you know, 
even Derek Favors is in the long term. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if we're making an argument for one over the other, I just don't really see one that's good enough for V. Krejci, especially whenever he's still kind of easing himself off of his knee. Be- yeah. Like, I, I remember I talked to him in Las Vegas, and he mentioned that any single time he, like, tweaks his knee a certain way or he lands too it. hard on it, he thinks about it, yeah. and then he tends to be less aggressive. And if he's still playing that way, it's hard to get out of that mindset yeah. in the long term. Yeah, because, I mean, it wasn't just any knee injury towards ACL. Yeah, I mean, it was a very ACL. serious. Yeah. So, and yeah. it's, it's, hard, it's hard for an athlete, once they tear their ACL, to really come back from that mentally the same yeah mentally you, yeah I, I can see that happening too i mean like yeah if you're if your knee moves one way and you're like oh wait wait that was pretty similar to what right happened like you just constantly think about it so yeah no i i, I completely get that but man it's it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough to see if teo does go it's gonna be tough but i, I think he can land i think he can land on his feet out of all the guys that um, we just mentioned that I, I think definitely we all, I think we all agree. I think he's going to get another shot. Yeah. I think Teo will. Uh, v maybe, Tydrome maybe, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Those those guys, they're they're kind of fringe players anyways. So yeah, it, it's going to be tough to see Teo for me go because I was very high on Teo Maladon, uh coming out of the draft. I, I thought that you know. Thought that he would be like the Thunder's backup point guard forever. <laughs> yeah, like, Matt's getting a little emotional. Yeah, behind the like, glass he's going right to be the, the forever backup point guard uh, for the Thunder. Ryan, did you give yours out? Or you, yeah, no, I think yeah. going to be the I, same. I cut all three. We're kind of all, all yeah. in agreement there. Uh, I think so too. And just, I think well, just because cutting favors doesn't make a ton of sense. I no. think financially. No, yeah. but also let's remember that Sam Presti said he doesn't mind cutting guaranteed money. So it's true. <laughs> There's also <Yeah>. that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. They already have veteran presence with Mike Muscala, Ryan. Exactly. So, you know, so they don't need any more. He's he's the he's the vet presence in there. Um, the one that the Thunder fans care about. Right. <laughs> uh, but Derek Favor, yeah, that's just that's all bad. I don't I don't know what what is going on with Derek Favors, but I saw he went on like a blocking spree apparently. Really? Yeah. He started blocking a bunch of people. She did that on the floor. <laughs> I'm like, where? I, I'm my legitimately my question. Where was that on the court? I don't know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, do you think that he starts the year at, at in the at the five? I mean, I wouldn't be stunned if they just say, "Hey, you're very experienced, so you be the guy that just tells Chet like, hey, you need to be here. Right. Hey, you need to be here.'" But I think that'll get phased out because again, I think he's on the Al Horford plan of the. We're going to try to do our best to add a couple of years to your career by not putting 82 games on you. Yeah. Christine, do you think he starts? Mm, it's kind of tough for me. I mean, I think it's either it's between him and JRE. Like, because I don't think you're going to start Derek yeah. Favors, JRE, and Chet no. Holmgren. So I just think it depends on what the lineup they want to roll with looks like. Are they re- willing to kind of roll the dice a little bit and let Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Chet Holmgren figure it out from the jump? Or do they want Derek Favors to come in and, like Ryan was saying, kind of coach Chet Holmgren on spacing and um, just where he needs to be out on the floor? I'm not I'm not quite sure on that one. I, I You know, history says they'll probably start yeah. Derek Favors for maybe 10 to 20 games or so and yeah. then throw in Jeremiah Robinson Earl after Chet Holmgren kind of gets the hang of it. I get I, I get having that experience out there and then maybe 
you know, having favors some of the guard some of like the bigger body guys and let Chet, like Ryan said earlier, kind of be that roaming, you know, rim protector uh, on defense and using his length. I can see that happening, but also I, I get that part, but also I, I just I would rather see Jeremiah Robinson Earl play. Like it's just I do not like I think a lot of Derek people would Freeman. rather yeah. see Jeremiah yeah. Robinson Earl play. I'd rather Mike Muscala play. I would rather Mike Muscala play than, than Derek Favors. I mean at least he brings a Mario something. Tattoo. Yeah a Mario tattoo and a gun holster tattoo and on all his on his uh side on his ribs yeah and all that great experience with the atlanta hawks <laughs> absolutely but i mean at least he brings like a, a floor so he can he can space the floor i mean Derek favors sitting out there at the three-point line no one's like, yeah, no one's shoot. yeah he's yeah. getting the robertson treatment so um yeah no that that'll be interesting to see but man when do, when do the roster cuts have to happen do we have an actual date i don't so he said that they have until training camp okay gotcha so, so up until yeah. then, yeah, we will uh, we will keep an eye out for that for sure. Um, I don't think they're going to be making any hasty decisions soon, but who yeah, knows? Last year is the middle of October, yeah. so mm-hmm. yeah, not going to be making any hasty decisions in in July unless they just know for sure. That is Ryan Chapman and Christine Butterfield. I am Matt Burton. On the other side, we are going to get into some of the NBA win totals for the year. I think it's from points bet. Points bet uh, has put out their win totals for each NBA team. We are going to go through that and get Christine and Ryan's thoughts on those to close out the show right here on 1077 The Franchise. Last segment from the Thunder Upside Downers today. It's been a good show, guys. It's been a good show on this Sunday. It's always a great show when Jerry's not here. Absolutely. We preface that Absolutely. pretty much. He's uh, he's on vacation. Is I mean, this guy. We're gonna start calling him Jerry Buckingham. I mean, he's taking so many vacations lately. Um, I mean, he, does he run out of vacation days? I don't know. Does he get unlimited vacation days? I'd love I would to like, know what his contract. I would love is. love to know that because that guy, <laughs> he's just always around doing something else, isn't he? Always. Somehow, some way. This guy always, always talks about how much he works, and I saw him up here yesterday. I was like, "Why are you here?" I was like, "And I was so confused." Why are you here? You already got called an off vacation once. What are you right. doing? Absolutely, you psychopath. Nah, I'm just kidding. Shout out Jerry. He does work hard. Sometimes. <clears throat> Sometimes. Um, I'm not going to be involved in this conversation. <laughs> he does work hard, Jerry Ramsey. We love Jerry here uh, as much as we want to project that we don't. Um, guys, the the win totals came out for. All of the NBA teams, minus the ones that would be fun <laughs> to talk about. How about no that? No Nets, no Jazz, no, no, no jazz. Knicks. Those win totals are off the board. They, they've been taken off the board. You're not able to put any money down uh, on those teams, even though it would be very fun to do so. Um, because Vegas, they just don't like losing money. Yeah, They don't like losing money. They don't want to set the Nets at... 45, and then, oh, wait, Kevin Durant and Kyrie get traded, mm. and they win 30 games, and then they lose a ton of money. So, this is from the Sporting News. They put these out on uh, from points bet. They only have, let's see, one, two, three, oh, I say only. Never mind, they grouped them together weird. But eight teams, they have eight teams that will win, that they have winning over 50 games, 50 games or more. Okay. That equals the amount of teams that actually won 50 or more games last season. 
the highest win total, the Boston Celtics. At 55 and a half, they have the Boston Celtics at 55 and a half, and I believe Boston they won, went, yeah, they won 51, yeah, they and, were 51, 51 and 31, 31 last year. So they made a couple of additions to their team that went to the finals. Malcolm Brogdon, Danilo Gallinari. We talked about that earlier. Do you agree with Boston having the highest win total? No. I personally who would you, who would you Who would you have as your top win total? Milwaukee. Yeah, if Chris Middleton comes back, Milwaukee. I'm... I mean, Golden State doesn't care. It would be it would it would be chalked to say uh, the Phoenix Suns, but I don't yeah. think they're going to go with the same strategy they did last season, based on just how much they teetered out in the playoffs. So uh, I think Milwaukee would be the go-to. I think the Heat will probably win more right. games in the regular season than the Celtics too. Mm-hmm. Right. So the the eight that teams that are in the fifty and over club, we have the Celtics at fifty-five and a half, the Los Angeles Clippers, fifty-three and a half. Second team. The that's Clippers. a bit. That's a bit high healthy, for the Clippers. Yeah. I think they'll be above fifty this season, well, but that, I think they get healthy. They, I think he, they're winning. They're winning that. I think. Yeah, that's that's basically puts them at the three or the four seed based right. off last year's standings in the West. Which the, the thing that's so hard with the Clippers is like even when Kawhi Leonard's healthy, he plays way less games than all the other healthy superstars. Right. So right. And, got, and it's always been my biggest problem within the last three or four years is that they, they never have any kind of chemistry or cohesion going into the playoffs because... They don't play enough games they, Well, they basically just said, we have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, so we can just stagger them both and play yeah. like 50 games together as opposed to you know run up to like 75. Absolutely. They add John Wall uh, up there to the Clippers, which who knows if he'll even play. Because I mean, <laughs> he played 40 total games in Houston and got like $120 million for only playing 40 games. Uh, that's just a finesser right there. That's a finesse, all-time finesse team, uh, and I respect John Wall for it. The other teams, we got the Suns at 52.5, the Bucks and Grizzlies at 51.5, the 76ers, Nuggets, and Warriors at 50.5. So of those teams I just mentioned, who does not finish with 50 wins? Who will finish 49 or below? I know it's going to probably take some injury or something like that because I say all of these teams, I believe, had 50 wins or more. I'm double-checking. I want to say the, the Grizzlies. Season. Well, the Nuggets were at the 48. The 76ers still did. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, the Nuggets were at 48. So I think the Nuggets were the only one, only ones listed here that did not win over 50 games. Clearly, Christian Brown's just going to get them there. Absolutely. He'll get, him, he'll get them there, and his mom will be... Looking fine is looking fine when it happens. Absolutely. Here's the thing: it, is Michael Porter Jr. going to play? Like that—that's right. going to be the huge question with Jamal him Murray, always. Like, yeah. like, is he going to come back and be anywhere close to what Jamal Murray was in the bubble? All that stuff. Like, I think there's just a ton of questions with Denver that uh, don't want to see him in the playoffs, but not just banking on them to, to go over 50 this year. Do you think? Do you think the Grizzlies capitalized on that? I mean, they were they won fifty six games last year. Do you think the Grizzlies continue that that I, run, or do you think they regress a little bit? I think they continue the energy of the run. Although I think that they're going to go through some injuries this year. I th- I like I kind of think that they're going to be a little too over eager and being like, oh, we got to the play, like we got to the play in, like we can make this happen. We got such a spicy young group, and I think they're almost going to 
run themselves into the ground a little bit. And so then they might decelerate by the end of the season because they're trying to go too hard and do too many things. So that would be my prediction. I think the Grizzlies are going to tread water just because that that's fine. But they were excellent last year without Ja, but Ja only played 57 games. Mm-hmm. So Ja comes back if he gets... Even if Ja plays 70, which he hasn't done yet, um, like if Ja plays 70, then I, then I think that you're kind of going to mitigate that a little bit just because it it was an anomaly that without their best player, they were so good last year. Yeah, yeah, that just, I don't think that's going to happen again. If, if Ja Morant does miss time, I don't think they're going to. Agreed. Just kind of carry on like business as usual. We don't have our best player, but we're still going to win. Yeah, right. It's pretty crazy there. Um, Ryan, your you're Hawks, 47 and a half. I don't know what to do with them, man. 47 and a half. Are you touching the 47 and a half? They won 43 last season. <sighs> yeah, they're probably like five games better than last year. I just, I don't think that Trey Man or not Trey Man, goodness, Trey Young and Murray actually fit together very yeah. well. I don't understand that. Um, Kayvon Herter, the emotional leader of Ryan's heart uh, with this yes. Hawks, is, is gone. And you go to the Kings? And it's still the like Kings? moping about it. Yeah. yeah. He's, oh, no. Yeah. He was, he's pretty broken up about all of the. I, I just don't know what to do with the. I just, again, again, Trey Young and John Collins are going to have to find a way to coexist on the same floor together when they both are terrible defensively. Again, the leadership on that team, not great. I don't have much faith in them going over that number. I agree. Retweet. I, yeah, yeah, I Retweet. agree. I, I'll defer to you on the uh, the Atlanta Hawks. I know you're, but I know that you're a, pes- a pessimistic fan. So you're you are well, a pessimistic fan. I'm just a pessimistic human. <laughs> That's very mm-hmm. true. Very very true. Uh, the forty one and a half win total to me is kind of interesting because it has the Bulls and the Cavs right there. The Cavs won forty four last season. The Bulls win forty six. Bulls, I think, are returning basically everyone. <laughs> I think they, yeah. they re-signed Zach Levine. They got Zach Levine back. DeMar DeRozan, uh, Vucevic. They still got uh, everyone there in Chicago. The Cavaliers, I mean, they won 44 games last year, and you know they just added. You know, they just they have All Stars. They have Evan Mobley, who will be an All Star at some point. Like, I mean, I, I don't know how they're. They have them regressing back to forty one and a half. Yeah, I think the over on that one. I think I like the over on that, and then the Trailblazers at forty one and a half as well. Um, things didn't go their way last year. Obviously, Damian Lillard was hurt for uh, basically the entire season, but they won twenty seven games without him. So Damian Lillard coming back is what thirteen wins. Thirteen wins. Uh, for them, I, I'm not buying the Trailblazers. I think it's going to fall apart. Yeah, I think that not, that is going to fall apart in their face. I'm not a I'm not a big believer in Portland right now. And Damian Lillard gets traded. Mm-hmm. A bunch of Jeremy Grant disrespect happening. <laughs> Absolutely. Right now. <laughs> I also, know, I'm sorry. also the promised one, Shaden Sharp. He could be awesome. I the prince who has promised. We, yes, we don't yes. know a single thing about him. He could be the best. I know player that in the there league. was like three turnovers caused by him in like four minutes and then he hurt his hand and he was gone he could he could be uh michael jordan and lebron james combined into a smaller body he could be that he could be we just haven't seen him play a competitive basketball game in what feels like a decade right (laughs) uh the one that the one that gets me in this win total here it just makes me laugh the Kings, 31 and a half. 
Kings. The Kings add Keegan Murray in the draft. They add, as Ryan mentioned, Kevin Herter. They're projected one more win than they had last season. <laughs> They're projected one more win than they had all of last season. Um, Did they forget about the Ox? <laughs> right. They got uh, Demontis Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox. One more win. They, they added Keegan Murray, who looked great in summer league. I mean, summer league MVP, like as as he should have been. Um, Even points bet is sick of the Kings. Yeah, they're sick of it. They're like, yeah, no, we'll believe it when we see it, guys. Like, exactly. We're just we're we'll give you one more win. That's I like it. that they intentionally put them on the uh, not even play in tournament line. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, it's just fun to laugh at the Kings a little bit there. Um, down towards the bottom, we have the Magic and Rockets at twenty seven and a half. Is it weird to me that, and then sorry, the Pistons at 26 and a half. Is it weird to me? I think the Pistons are going to be better than the Magic and the Rockets. I agree with that. I, I think they would have, I think they could get 27 and a half easily. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like what the Pistons. Now that they have Kemba Walker lineup. and Jaden uh, Ivey with Cade Cunningham. Yeah, like, I, I like that line. It's going to be young. They're going to lose a lot of games because they're young. Exactly. Like Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, to Jalen Duran. Like that, I, there's a good young roster, and I know rookies don't normally equate to that many wins but i i like them better than just i'm not talking about them going to like the playoffs or anything i'm talking no. about like them i think they above can finish the magic above yeah. the magic for sure and the rockets for sure i i, I don't know tell me i'm wrong i, I, I think probably am orlando has a really weird mix though because some of their guys from last year were older rookies right yeah franz wagner and then um of the three guys like this year specifically paolo is by far the most just NBA ready from day one. So I think the Magic, um, I think that might be a little bit better than maybe we're giving them credit for as far as they were only one win off the Pistons last year. And it just may take Ivy a little bit longer to get up to speed and kind of figure things out than Paolo. Now you've got Cade over there, which helps out everything. But uh, the Magic just have, again, a little bit older roster insulating kind of their new young core. Believe me, I want the Magic to be good so bad. <laughs> Are you Paolo a Magic Bancaro. fan now? I w- yes, I want Paolo Bancaro to uh, lead to them light to the him promised up. land. I want him to do what um, what Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway never did. Mm. They almost did, but they never did it. I want Paolo Bancaro. I want that for him. Uh, and then finally, we got the Pacers and the Spurs at 25, tied for 25 and a half wins, and then the Spurs are dead last. They are DFL at 23 and a half. So, guys, the Thunder, what do we got? Over, under, 25 and a half. Uh, eh, probably over, just because I don't think you can shut Shea down for a third year. Yeah, I, I was going to take the over, too, just because I think about you know, Chet, like adding Chet Holmgren to the mix I think makes for you know more storylines. I think him going to the rim is just going to be way too easy with Josh Giddy and him throwing each other lobs. And to Ryan's point, if you don't allow Shea Gillis Alexander to cook a lot, he's probably going to be getting restless in Oklahoma City. So I think you need to give them more than 25 and a half wins this year. Nothing too crazy, but it wouldn't shock me if you see them up at 28, 29. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Still well out of the uh, playing race. But. But still in the lottery. A, a step above the uh, tank to the bottom. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. They are going to be over 25 and a half, I think. Um, the Pacers are interesting to me. The, again, they're young. I mean, Chris Duarte, Tyrese Halliburton. They just added Benedict Matherin. 
So, I mean, they're they are guard heavy for sure. Still have Miles Turner up there for now. I mean, he's probably going to get traded at some point um, to kind of solidify their tank job for uh, trying to get Victor Wimbenyama. Um, but guys, I mean, I really don't have a, that much else, honestly. I don't. I don't. I'm uh, this again. It's basketball in July. What? We're talking about win totals for the NBA. <laughs> Why don't we have renderings of a hypothetical new arena yet? Like, not even like renderings that are right. actually mm-hmm. attached to the city putting forth a bid or anything like that. Like, come on, rendering people. Why like, don't we just steal the uh, renderings of the new Chicago stadium? The uh, at Soldier yes. Field. Yes. Yes. I'm all we for a national those. treasure situation where we go up there and just steal the map. Now I know it's supposed to be for football. But I don't care. Can we get more windows in this rendering? I'm tired of like we just have a lot of relics of old downtown that are just a lot of concrete. A ton of concrete from the seventies and the eighties, a ton of concrete from the OG maps. Get us some window. We've got Scissortail Park. I want to be able to look at Scissortail Park from the arena. That'd be pretty sweet. That would be pretty sweet, honestly. And uh where would a new arena go? Oh, Ryan, you guys have talked about it. I'm lot. sure know, there's but. some spot down by the river. Pop it down there. Call it a day. The river. Just just don't take it. away the Bass Pro Shops. Can't do it. No. Can't <laughs> do it. No, we can't do that. But I, I'm sure there's a spot down there. I've for a long time advocated that we should just do another man-made water area and put like... We should make it like a floating like mini golf course with like restaurants and stuff just out there. Like Epcot it up a little right. bit. And that, we just, just put the good. arena coming off of it. Yeah. That'd be lit. I feel like, I feel like it's a little. I, I know it's a little too late. It's like I love Scissors, Scissor Tail Park. Our girlfriend and I go there all the time. We love it. But we get it. Sick I feel like yeah. I know, but I feel like it's. <laughs> I feel like it's like that would have been a perfect spot. I know. <laughs> that a perfect spot for it. Um, so it's almost that like, hey, it. can we tear down Scissor Tail and then just build it again somewhere else? Right, right where the Paycom is now. Build that again. Build the park again. I have, but no, I, I guess not. I don't think it would cost so much money to build the park again. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I should. Maybe I should consult the parks department because I really don't. Right. I don't know budgeting. Yeah. The problem is, Paycom's in a good spot, and you're gonna, you're gonna have to blow it up to uh, put something else on it. And where do the Thunder go? Like, right. I, I mean, question. they've got plenty of Thunder Cares basketball courts splintered splintered around the city. If we just put like a tent over it, like a really big tent, you think we can just sell tickets? Just make it like uh, it's like OKC's version of Rucker Park, and that's where the Thunder are just going to play basketball. Right. Games. Just there. I mean, there. Is, I can't remember what it's called. Is it the Cage or is that what it's called? I can't remember what it's called. But that outdoor park that is right across from the Paycom Center. Yeah, over, build, over you, at the. You tear uh, down Paycom Center and you play the games at the outdoor park, like uh, in the for, uh, in the in the absence of the Paycom while they're while they're waiting for the other one to get built. That spot over there in the Devon Gardens, like by the Myriad. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good spot. That's exactly where you should play the games. That's a good spot. Uh, metal nets and everything. Oh, yes. Just I mean, go it old just school. sounds better. It sounds Full better with the metal net. School. It does. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, guys, I, I really don't have anything else. I'm glad that you guys agreed to do this with me. Appreciate it. Of Thank course. you. Of course. Thank you so much. If Coming Matt. On a Saturday. Yeah, Matt just sends out the bat signal and I'm there. The Matt signal. Um, there you go. <laughs> that was Ryan Chapman. Follow him on Twitter at Radios Ryan. That was also Christine Butterfield. Follow her on Twitter at CB on Sports. And I am Matt Burton. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Matt Burton. That's it for the Thunder Insiders, Outsiders, Upside Downers show.